Welcome to episode 23 of season 2 of the Search with Canada podcast. My name is Jack Chambers Ward, and this week I am joined by the SEO manager at Captivate and the co host of the SEO Mindset podcast, the fantastic Sarah McDowell. Search for Canada is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com slash SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their Instagram hashtag generator, href lang validator, being able to check out your site's visibility index, and the Google update tracker. We also have the latest sector watch from Charlie Williams, one of the fantastic data journalists over at Systrix. And in this month's sector watch, it's all about the most visible domains for fashion dresses. And Charlie does a fantastic article here diving into the details of what is ranking and why it's ranking, which brands are performing, and even some winners and losers in a way that we often touch on with Trendwatch we're actually seeing in Sectorwatch here as well. So I'll dive into Charlie's article here a little bit and give you a little taste before you go off and read the full thing. The leading brands and domains, as you'd expect, a lot of the most popular retail e-commerce there is no shortage of well-known names in fashion. So from e-commerce giants all the way through to more high street based retailers, there are a lot of names you'll most likely know if you're UK based like I am. Things like Boohoo, ASOS, Misguided, Pretty Little Thing, Shein, John Lewis, Next, Marks and Spencer, all that kind of stuff. And you've also got Amazon, eBay, Etsy in there as well. In general, in the UK, the top three domains for the basically the transactional intent, the commercial intent, which we, we describe as the do search context for people looking to buy these things. And it is pretty clear from what Google is telling us that there is a clear intent here to buy the product. Very few articles that are telling you information about dresses, but are not product pages are ranking. So if you really do want to compete in this market, you really need to be creating fantastic product pages that that really match up to the user's search intent. So the top three domains for this, as I said, commercial intent include boohoo.com, next.co.uk and asos.com. And to understand why those brands are performing so well, because sure, they're household names, but there's plenty of other household names around that aren't performing as well as that. For example, Misguided, who have recently gone into administration, have seen a considerable drop-off on their visibility index. What I really love that Charlie does in the article, he dives into very specific details about the formatting and the structure, the internal linking factors, all this kind of stuff going into what makes a fantastic product page, what makes a fantastic category page and landing page for broader terms such as dresses, and then really driving down and getting into the more specific stuff there as well. Even talking about mobile responsiveness and easeability, searchability, all that kind of stuff within the site. It's a fantastic analysis of this industry. So if you are working in the fashion and dress kind of industry, and you're looking for a glimpse into what some of the biggest domains and the most successful domains are doing in this sector i highly recommend you go and check out charlie's edition of sector watch links for that of course will be in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk we also have a fantastic bit of data visualization from the team over at Systrix, specifically mr steve payne who we had on the show a little while ago diving into the 11 year history of the top 20 domains in the uk in the span of 60 seconds It's a fascinating little shift in graph that will 
grow and shrink with every domain as you see new brands arrive, brands disappear into nothingness. And to clarify, this does filter out Wikipedia because Wikipedia is a bit of a dominating factor in this. So everything from Amazon to the BBC to Facebook to Twitter to the Daily Mail to YouTube and pretty much everything in between, it's a really interesting little timescale visualization across the last 11 years and you can really see the biggest kind of movers and shakers over the last decade or so in the UK. You can actually see other country timelines as well so if you're not UK based there is a YouTube playlist for that. I will also have that linked to the show notes at search.withcanada.co.uk and you can find both this article and a sector watch I just mentioned at systrix.com slash blog. And without any further ado, here is my interview with Sarah McDowell. And joining me on the show this week is Sarah McDowell. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Very much looking forward to being on this episode with you. I'm looking forward to chatting with you and diving into some really interesting topics. I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we get to all of that, if the listeners don't know who you are, please do give the listeners a lovely little intro about yourself, what you do in SEO and what you do in podcasting, because... You're all, you're a fellow podcaster, which is lovely to see as well. <laughs> I am a fellow podcaster. I did catch that podcasting bug and uh, it's been hard to shake. But yeah, I always get a bit nervous when I have to like, um, no, it's kind of like selling yourself, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So I've been in um, SEO and digital marketing for un- uh, just under 10 years. Um, I think I first got into it back in like 2012. So yeah, so I've done a mixture of in-house agency side. Um, So currently, I am the SEO manager at Captivate, which is a podcast hosting platform. And then uh, previous to that, I was at Holland and Barrett. Um, So so yeah, like um, I've done digital marketing, but I would say I specialize and my passion is, is in the SEO realm. Um, and, I, and I am a podcaster as well. So um, I think I've got four podcasts now under under my belt. So really addicted. You're, you're a woman <laughs> after my own heart. A few years ago, I was hosting far too many podcasts and everyone really like took it out of me and were just like, do you need to host another podcast? I think it was like four or five, like you were saying. And it's just like well, exhausting. Well, um, <laughs> well, for me, it's kind of, when a podcast this is going to sound really cheesy and really lame, so get the sick bucket at the ready at the ready. But when a um, podcast door closed, another one opened. So I started off with SEO SAS, my very first one, um, with my friend Hannah Bryce. Um, did that for a few years. That was amazing. Got really good feedback. Got some really good guests on there as well, uh, including Ran Fishkin. That was that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, that came to an end. And then um, Areej, Areej Abu Ali, reached out to me, who is the founder of the Women in Tech SEO community. She reached out and was like, I saw that SEO SAS is no longer doing new episodes. Um, been toying with the idea of doing one for the Women in Tech SEO community. And then that was born. Um, and then Women in Tech SEO podcast came to an end. And then I got speaking to another lady within the community Tasman Sullivan so we recently launched the SEO mindset podcast um so 
yeah, we launched that a few months ago. We've done season one and we're about to launch season two. Uh, so that's really good. Uh, so yeah, that's a bit of a background of me. It's almost we've got kind of opposite careers. So I started off in podcasting. I've been podcasting for 10 years and then came to SEO in the last like four or so years. So kind of parallel but opposite kind of journeys there for the two of us. <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of go through that like, there are so many SEO podcasts around at the moment. And there's a lot of people who kind of start off in SEO, then think about doing a podcast. But now you are doing SEO for a podcast company as well. Like, how's that been for you kind of journeying through that and, and starting out as a podcaster, then and obviously an SEO first, then a podcaster and then SEO for podcasting? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It's hard to get your head, get my head around it, I suppose. Um, but I suppose. I'm in a really good p position because I'm doing two of my passions um, in one. So I really love podcasting. I love the podcasting industry. I love being involved in that. And I also love SEO. So at the moment, I'm marrying up the two and it's uh, pretty amazing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm loving <laughs> life, really. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, if people do want to go and check out Captivate, I know we might bring it up a couple of times on the show, but links will be in the show notes for Captivate. Uh, we'll we'll shout out Sarah's Twitter and all that kind of stuff as well. Of course, we keep mentioning it, Women in Tech SEO. Links for that, if you do want to join that community, are in the show notes there as well for you listeners. So, Sarah, shall we dive into this week's topic? I think I think that's wise, yes. I, I know, funnily enough, it's something you've covered a couple of times in podcasting yourself. Again, more as the host rather than as the guest, right? So we're kind of turn the tables a little bit on you and kind of discuss that and Obviously, I'll, I'll I'll bring my experiences into it as well, but I'm I'm fascinated to talk to you about it because I've heard you talk about it a few times on a podcast before, and it's a subject I think that comes up a lot, even outside of SEO, but particularly in digital marketing and SEO, and kind of why we we kind of talk about it a lot. I see it going around a lot on SEO Twitter and stuff like that. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. It's it's a hot topic. It's a controversial topic to some. There's the whole, like, it doesn't exist crew out there and whatever. But for listeners who don't know what it is or maybe not as educated, what is imposter syndrome, Sarah? Okay. So the best way to explain what imposter syndrome is, is, um, well, it kind of involves feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that are around even though you've got education, experience, or like your accomplishments around what you're feeling that imposter syndrome in. And to often counter these feelings, we end up working harder and holding ourselves to even higher standards. So yeah, I suppose it's that feeling of really doubting yourself in, in your career and your abilities. Yeah. And I think, again, we've talked about this in the studio here a few times before, and differing opinions coming from different sides whether that's people who are developers here at candor or the seo team or you know the directors here as well all coming in with different opinions and that kind of what's the difference between just being you know doubtful of yourself having imposter syndrome and actually being bad at your job and kind of like trying to understand the difference there and i think you really tied on something there that is like despite your accomplishments despite yes. your achievements despite your qualifications you might be getting like consistently fantastic appraisals or you know if you're working in an agency the, the the clients absolutely love you and have nothing but great things your manager or director has nothing but great things to say about you but you still don't feel that kind of confidence in yourself i think that's the difference between just kind of 
self-doubting and then having that imposter syndrome where the the external kind of positives don't balance out the internal negatives I guess something that I'm trying to like think yeah. of that in my brain yeah definitely and I think as well with imposter syndrome is it kind of it's an obstacle as well because you can let it stop you from saying yes and because because you are doubting yourself and because you are scared and yeah and I think it's human isn't it that we kind of forget um we kind of seem to remember the negatives rather than the positives so yeah anytime we get a bit of bad feedback anytime that we something goes wrong because things do go wrong human error like google algorithm updates all the time do you know <laughs> what i mean it's so hard and yeah um i think i think that's that's where these feelings can come from yeah definitely i know i've spoken to some youtuber friends of mine and they'll say like you get this amazing conversation and discussion in the comments and then that one negative comment just yes. just shines out like a like a beacon of negativity exactly <laughs> exactly is, is that kind of focusing on the negativity rather than understanding like you said you're going to make mistakes that is part of life and especially working in digital marketing and seo and all that kind of stuff that's going to happen sometimes it'll be in your control and it is your fault sometimes it's totally not hello core updates and google updates and things like that <laughs> but yeah i think it's particularly interesting because as I kind of hinted at, I've seen it discussed a lot in SEO, Twitter. I've seen it talked a lot about here in the studio at Canda as well. And like whether that's the development team or the SEO team here as well. Why do you think it's so prevalent in digital marketing and SEO as, as, a, as an industry, really? So I think there's a couple of moving parts here. And um, to start off with, so SEO um, and digital marketing to to an extent, it's, it's self-taught, isn't it? So um, like when I'm having conversations with how people got in, into SEO, like a lot of the time people have sort of stumbled across it. So for mm. example, when I was at uni or was at school or when I was in my, yeah, when I was in those sort of spaces, I didn't even know SEO existed. Um, it wasn't until I got into the the working environment in the, in the working world that I realized. So I think because it's self-taught, that in itself can, can cause issues. It, it's because in a lot of other things, you can have just a degree in the thing or a PhD in the thing. Yeah. There are digital marketing qualifications now, but yes. not not to show my age here. They weren't around when I was a lad. Uh, as, as, exactly. as, as, as an old man of 31, I'm like, that, that wasn't a thing when I was going to university. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, another element of it is um, comparing ourselves. So there's a lot of amazing people in the industry always doing amazing things. And it's great. And they're always really supportive. But I think seeing that you can end up comparing yourself. So I've done that so mm. many times, like, oh, I should be doing so much more. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Um, so I think that can be an issue. I think that that filters through social media as well, right? Because it's the classic social media thing of everyone presents their best self most of the time. Like if you go on oh, Instagram, gosh, yes. everybody's like, look at me, I'm having an amazing time on my holiday. And they're ignoring like they're breaking up with their partner in the background and yeah. just not not talking about that. Yeah. Or, you know, something something's horrible's happened, but you put on a happy face to be on social media. And like exactly. you said, people shout about their achievements on Twitter, like, oh, we got a billion clicks this month and we're absolutely killing the SEO game or whatever it is all the stuff you see on linkedin the usual kind of graphs with no y-axis so you can't actually measure the data and exactly. then and then you get that like well nobody goes like oh yeah i really made a mistake on 
this client's website the other day or, or on our website the other day. I have seen that more, actually. I've seen an increase in that people I really like in SEO actually kind of shouting out that stuff and saying, actually, I did make this mistake. Here's how I've learned from it and all that kind of stuff. Transparency, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, yeah, the couple couple of other things is um, things take a while for t- for changes to implement. So even though that you're not, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're fixing things for a client, you're making better adjustments on a website, um, because of how long it can take for those yeah, for any of those to see results, then again, you could end up doubting yourself, like, because you, you kind of sat there waiting. And then obviously, you get your trolls as well, don't you? Like, <laughs> there's been a couple of times where I'll post something on on Twitter. Um, and then you get your troll who will come along and uh, say some negative stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I think those are the main elements to me, why it's so sort of prevalent in, in SEO. And I think tying into the trolls, but more getting into almost like the gatekeeping kind of side of things as well. You're you're a woman in SEO, which is, which is in and of itself, but you're also part of the LGBTQ plus community. Like, so two kind of minorities, two marginalized groups there, especially in digital marketing, especially in SEO, you're going to get mansplained too. You're going to get people talking down to you, all that kind of stuff that we see on Twitter so much that just boils my blood. But I think that that's a big part of that almost like, that's almost the exterior side of imposter syndrome, I guess. People questioning your achievements and then pushing you down in in that way as well. Oh, definitely, definitely, and that 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 is hard. Um, but then, um, for example, the point about um, being a woman. So when I first got into the SEO industry, um, and I went to my very first Brighton SEO, and the ratio between men and women was like not just the speakers but also the attendees obviously nowadays it's much much better and um I mean you still get events where you have a lineup of like eight or ten people and they're all white males yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean like you I, still I, get that speaking of people we admire in SEO I love pe- seeing people like Azeem and Chloe Smith and all those guys like calling these speakers out and more these lineups of speakers I mean like yeah so yeah, you're talk- you've got this diversity and inclusivity panel and it's six middle-aged <laughs> white guys. It's like, brilliant. Okay. There's not a trans person to be seen. There's not a non-binary person to be seen. There's not a, a gay person, a bi person, person of color, nothing. It's just a bunch of just cisgendered white dudes. You're like, okay, exactly. Great, exactly. brilliant. <laughs> I think to be fair, like you said, I think a lot of people make a positive change. Shout out to a regional alley of women in tech SEO. Of course, that community i think pretty much every woman i've spoken to in seo has had nothing but incredible things to talk about that community and how supportive it's been and how brilliant and positive and uh i know catherine from last week mentioned like there's no stupid questions in that community which i think is so important as you said being all self-taught and all that kind of thing that's such an important thing when you're learning so like there's sort of these like guidelines of the community and i think um one sort of like Uh, rule that has been stipulated is never caveat a question with I know this is stupid but and and I do it or like obviously in that community I'm like I used to do it and I'm like well no no question is stupid like every question is valid um but I'm even getting better in like outside of the SEO realm or like for example if I'm talking to developers I used to be like I know I should know this I know this is stupid (laughs) but but 
yeah, it's it's just how it's just getting your yourself out of that way of talking, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So have you developed any techniques to kind of help with that or like learn anything about like you mentioned taking that kind of approach to not starting your sentence with oh sorry or i i don't know i should i know this that kind of thing and ha- spinning it in a positive way i think there's a there's a few different ways you can kind of balance that out and kind of consciously think about it right yeah and i suppose it's just about being more aware isn't it and obviously it's habit isn't it like things have been ingrained in you for a while and it's going to take a while for that sort of stuff to come out um but it's just being a bit more mindful and yeah like being aware of those times where you say a negative like I should know this this is stupid and just like next time being like you know what I'm gonna try and not say that because (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I think there can be positives to it as well like thinking about this when when I brought this topic up I I always do this in the uh when we have a a kind of topic to talk about on the show I turn to the other members of the team I'm like oh I'm interviewing Sarah McDowell we're going to talk about imposter syndrome do you guys have any questions any thoughts and stuff like that and one thing that came up was that kind of the, the quote of if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room which I think is an interesting way of looking at it in that there's always room to grow it can be a positive thing to kind of drive you to learn more and you know you shouldn't have that pressure on you to suddenly be the smartest person in every room you walk into and if you are you're probably going into the wrong rooms because you're not engaging with interesting (laughs) intellectual engaging people and all that kind of stuff I think I need to get that tattooed on me I like oh that's a good idea I mean yeah across the forearm or something (laughs) I think it looked good um but but yeah and I think if you if you're ever under the impression of I've learned everything. I've peaked. Like that's a very scary place to be because things are always changing. Things are always evolving. And like you say, like you just you might not be surrounded by the right people, or you're not right asking the right questions, or you're not. I think it's about being curious and asking, asking why and how and all of these things. Because even like the top professor, like they could still learn something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. yeah, like there's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. And and I suppose that's, I've heard one argument about how imposter syndrome can actually be a good thing. And that is because if you're getting this feeling of imposter syndrome, then you're out of your comfort zone. You're pushing yourself. Like you're in a space that's not familiar to you. And that is great for growth and progression. And all that. If, you, if you stay with what you know and you stay with what you feel safe in, there's no room for growth, is there? There's no room for development. So sometimes I think it's good to lean into imposter syndrome. And yes, it's a hard feeling and there's, and there's a ways that you can deal with that. So for example, um, getting yourself a cheerleader. Maybe not literally. Yeah, I mean, literally, that would really help, wouldn't it? <laughs> just um, there with pom-poms, just doing high yeah. kicks and stuff. Like, yeah. But yeah, so I took this. So I had a chat on the SEO Mindset podcast with um, Christy Plantinger. And that, that, that was one of the things that she said. And that, that's one of the things that she has, that whenever she's doubting herself or she's feeling like she, she can't do something, she has someone that she can reach out to and message. So that could be someone in your in your team. It could be someone in your personal world. But 
having getting that cheerleader and it might feel silly at first but as you get used to it and they're and they're like of course you can do this you've got this like sometimes that's the push that you need getting involved in groups so such as me being involved in the women in tech SEO community find other communities as well there's loads out there nowadays remembering your achievements as well so earlier when we were saying that you kind of forget about that it's always good to keep proof of your achievements as yeah, well definitely so when I was working at Holland and Barrett um H- Hannah who I did the podcast with and who was also my boss was always like whenever you get great feedback create a folder pop that in and that's a great way of always remembering your achievements I, le- I learned that from my wife she's yes. does the, she does the exact same thing she will like uh save emails at a separate folder if you get a, like a positive like review from your manager or whatever it is or any like uh, she was she was a nurse or still is a nurse but when she would get like a card from relatives saying like thank you so much for the care your team did and all that kind of stuff any little thing you can have to kind of turn to to again kind of balance out the negativity with some positivity and bring that kind of oh yeah I can do my job I have achieved all these things yeah and I know I'm I try to be a cheerleader in other people's lives as well because I know again people I've worked with people in my personal life and stuff even working in podcasting, I'm speaking to other people like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd never get, you know, this famous person on my podcast. I'm like, just email them, see what happens. Just give it a go. Like, just just go for it. And, you know, um, a lot of friends have, have had that kind of reinforcement, I think. And that's something I try to actively do for other people. And I think that's a thing, like you said, communities and SEO and even outside of SEO have been really good for kind of again balancing that negativity out and bringing some positivity and with your uh, with your point about being too scared to ask someone to be like to be a guest on your show podcast or whatever you're doing what's the worst that that person can do say no exactly (laughs) yeah and you're you're back to square one where you were before yeah and I think it's also about being kinder to yourself as well and being okay with the fact that you don't have to know everything so when I first got into SEO and I got my first job title that had SEO in there um and I was a bit higher higher up I thought that I had to know how to do everything or know Mm. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, because you think, oh, this is the reason why I've been been hired, and I I don't want to look weak by saying that I don't know, want to know something, um, that I don't know something. Um, but I've I changed that because you can't know everything. Like especially with SEO, you have like your different um, specialities and focuses within within SEO don't you so um you have people that are more specialist in like the content link building side PR or you get people that are more um technical so they might come from like a web development background um you might have someone who's really good at local and they understand that space so I think it's okay to admit that you don't know something and if you're ever asked to do something that you don't know you can always get support. You can always help. And then by doing that, you can also learn from next time, can't you? Yeah, so. yeah. I think you're totally right about working in a team as well. And if the management or whoever's doing the hiring process or whatever has done their job from an SEO perspective, you will have specialists. So 
you will have someone there you can ask a tech SEO question to. You might have a copywriter. You can ask this thing or, or a link builder or a, you have someone who used to be a journalist who now works in digital PR yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Having those specialists. And I, I always struggle with that myself, like coming into like working at Canda and knowing like some of the people already working here before I even started working here. Listening to, I was a listener to this podcast before I became a host of the podcast. I was kind of aware of that and all that kind of thing. And then thinking like, oh, I'm not very technical. Am I going to be all right? Like, I, I'm, I don't know JavaScript. I'm doomed. Like coming into this job and then worrying about it and then being like, no, actually, my strengths are here and that's why I've been hired. That's why, you know, I can balance off well because this person's got the technical side covered. So if a client has an issue with the technical thing, we can ask them to come and join us on a call. Like, I think that's a key thing from an agency specifically. And even if you have, a, if you're lucky enough to have a big in-house SEO team, this also applies as well. But don't be afraid to ask your colleagues. And again, easier said than done, <laughs> of course. But if you know someone is is better at that thing than you or has a strength where you have a weakness, get them involved. Ask questions, whether that's literally bringing them on like the video call or into a meeting room or whatever it is. Try to give them notice for the record. <laughs> I've, I, I've been guilty of that before. It's like, oh, I need to do this thing in like two seconds. Can you uh, just join me and just like grab them by the scruff and drag them into a meeting room? Try to give them notice. But yeah, I think that's that's something I always try to be aware of and something I really struggle with sometimes is understanding your strengths and weaknesses and mm. how, yeah, asking a question on Twitter, asking a question in an SEO community, it shouldn't be something that's you're afraid of. And you see, like you said, people we see from Rand Fishkin to John Mueller to everyone in between, like people are still asking questions even though we're working in SEO for 20 years. No one know not even John Mueller knows everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. And you just got to stay curious and you got to carry on asking those questions. And the times where I ask a question on Twitter, it always ends up being or in the uh, community, the Women in Tech SEO community, it always ends up being a really good conversation or you end up thinking from it from a different angle. So yeah, it's good. It's good to ask these things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And kind of circling back around to the teams and stuff, what can we do as as colleagues and in, in some cases as employers and managers and things like that? You're in a managerial role yourself, Sarah. How can you kind of support people who are experiencing imposter syndrome? If you, if you can notice it in others, in your colleagues, in your co-workers? Well, I suppose it's about trying to foster a culture where there is openness and where you can have these honest and frank conversations. And if if there's ever, I don't know, like in your team, you ask someone to do the job and they're like, they say yes, but you can tell with their body language or do you know that they're not they're not quite comfortable or something like that it's about like maybe having a conversation with them separately like maybe they don't want to bring up in a call in front of everyone that they don't know how to do something but then that's when you can say I noticed this just want to make sure that you're okay or like do you want to talk things through also like leading from what's the saying um lead do as front. you preach yeah lead, yeah lead by um, example that kind lead of by example thank you my brain just went <laughs> uh so yeah like share your own experiences and i think if you lead by example and if you're in like situations where you're asked to do something and you're not quite sure as like a manager or a leader if you sort of show that it's okay to sort of say 
can we talk about do you know what I mean I think I think it's just trying to have that have that space and maybe you can have like a buddy scheme can't you so like even I suppose it's harder because now um I know that some people are are back to the, the the office or there's like a hybrid situation but even if like you're remote you can find I don't know like 15 minutes a week to jump on a team's call mm. and do you know what I mean like just yeah definitely have a conversation and yeah what are you struggling with this week what how can I help this is what I'm struggling with this week and yeah it's just about like making it not a taboo subject because I think yeah because imposter syndrome it does have negative connotations isn't it and yeah yeah, like but it's okay to bring it up I suppose like and you want to support people and you want to help people so so yeah yeah, I think another thing I, I, I've been a manager not outside of SEO. I've been a manager in roles before, and thinking about how, again, turning to your colleagues and coworkers and understanding their strengths and weaknesses. Something I always struggled with was like delegating and understanding. Oh yeah, wh- when's the right time? Like, oh, I'm I might be the manager, or m- maybe you're not in a senior position, but you are the lead on an account on something. And something I've really kind of grown since I started working here at Canda is, again, understanding I'm not the most technical SEO. So I, if we're doing a tech audit for this new client, I am the SEO lead on that account and I'll be leading the calls and kind of, you know, the face of the company kind of thing, talking to them. But let's bring in one of the technical SEO experts to come and actually do that thing. And again, they might join you on the call for that. Do you, do you think that that's a an important part of that kind of understanding your team and being able to delegate and that stuff kind of thing uh yes and and delegation is hard isn't it because in a way it's sometimes because you all have your set ways don't you of doing stuff like a really stupid example got nothing to do with seo is going to be cooking so like me me and my girlfriend love cooking but we both make a chili very differently interesting interesting (laughs) my my wife makes a really good chili so i'm intrigued We'll have to share. Let's dive into chili. We'll <laughs> chili spin recipes. off into a little chili recipe segment here. <laughs> but um, so, so this is a um, vegetable-based ch- chili, so I, vegan I'm, friendly. I'm, I'm a lifelong vegetarian, so ah, okay, well, sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but for me, I like um, when it comes with the ch- when it comes to the chili, the vegetables that you're using to bulk it up. So you've got your stuff like your carrots, your celery, your stuff like that. I chop up small because they're a bulker. They're not the main. Whereas Tash, my partner, uh, she she doesn't really believe in chopping things up small. So like, uh, it's a really stupid example. Um, but... Me and my wife have the exact same dynamic. <laughs> And I, I am I am the Sarah in our relationship. I chop things. My wife complains about how long I take to chop stuff because I am just like tiny, tiny little things. I'll take an entire mushroom and cut it into like 10 different segments. And she just does it like in half and then in half again. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this? That's not that's this giant chunk of mushroom in my chili. That's not allowed. Um, but yeah, and I, I'm aware that I've kind of derailed the, this com- conversation, <laughs> and it is dinner time or near to dinner time. Welcome but, to search, um, search with Chili with, search, Jack, with Jack and Sarah. With <laughs> but yeah, she was uh, making a batch today, and I saw the chunky bits of carrot, 
And I went to like um, start chopping them smaller. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'm stepping away. <laughs> but yeah, but I suppose that's the same, isn't it, with, uh, with delegating at work. Like just because someone doesn't do something the same as you do it or has the same process that you have doesn't make it like any less like it's not it's not going to be wrong is it at the end of the yeah. day um obviously there's wrong things that you shouldn't do like i can't <laughs> think of the top of my head um well, lots of uh, lots of black hat questionable buying yes. links and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yes yeah keyword stuffing or yeah, buying a load yeah. of spammy links or exactly I don't know. Yeah, yeah there are things that you shouldn't do um but it's okay to and um i don't know if you're a frozen fan but just gotta let it go and that song should let it go that that is one of my go-to karaoke songs (laughs) (laughs) for better or worse (laughs) so kind of spinning off from that and thinking about again how we can make it sort of less of a negative experience again trying to balance out that negativity with some positivity bring the chunky and the finely chopped stuff Altogether, I'm, I'm keeping the chili analogy. It's a great analogy. <laughs> I, pretty, I feel like I'm going to carry that on now, and like 50 episodes time, people have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like that was all Sarah's just, idea, but I'm going to blame Sarah. Just as a just a caveat, um, <laughs> when I did the SEO SAS podcast, Hannah, my co-host, was like the queen of analogies. Mm. Um, we called them a analogy, and we did we we did a whole <laughs> episode on SEO analogies, and yeah, it was great. Amazing. It's a great way to learn. But anyway, continue. We, we were talking, <laughs> funnily enough, we were literally talking about that in the studio the other day as well, publishing like a book of SEO analogies. And we're like, mm, well, it's like a car when a car doesn't, or websites are like a house when it's like, oh God, yeah. Everyone just, so, you're so right. Us SEOs and we're just got into the habit of diving into analogies, I think. I love <laughs> I think, an analogy. I think it's partly because we're often explaining seo stuff to people who don't necessarily know about seo like that exactly whether you're talking to like shareholders and directors in your you know in-house company or whether agency side you're talking to a client who's maybe not as experienced and that's why they're working with you as their seo specialist exactly yeah i'm I'm always up for more analogies and analogies for the record so analogies (laughs) well if you ever need someone to partner up with for this book you know where to find me (laughs) well I'll, i'll get you on get you on for sure so yeah think about how we can kind of make it a less negative experience overall and how you know and we've kind of touched on it already like to turn it into a positive thing and and when you're feeling really down in the dumps about it and feeling like oh god i can't do this i don't deserve to be here whatever it is i don't deserve this promotion whatever it is how are there kind of ways we can think about kind of like little techniques and and methods we can kind of rejig ourselves and rethink about it I suppose it's whenever you're having a negative thought, it's about um, taking a, taking some time to pause and take mm. yourself away and having to think, okay, why am I feeling this way? What's making me feel this way? And sort of, um, yeah, you need, you need time to think, actually, no, I am going to go and do this. Do, do you know what I mean? And I, and I think as well, um, you just got to remember that, you're growing and you con- and you'll continue to grow and the more times that you are in an in an uncomfortable situation when it comes to like yeah personal um career development um like there are going to be times where things don't feel quite quite right but um just 
just remember that in marketing, at the end of the day, we're not doctors, are we? <laughs> like, what is the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Yes, a website might go down. Yeah. It will go back up. Like, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not here to save lives. I can, obviously, SEO is a really important job. <laughs> And, I love the way you're, not just, taking... you're just dialing down the entire industry. They're like, we don't matter. Who cares? Well, they were just saying, it's like, our entire it, careers, but it doesn't matter. It is. It is important. <laughs> but I think it's just about um, weighing it up, isn't it? Sort yeah, of thing. Definitely. And yeah, like, and also like being prepared. So if you are stepping into the unknown or you're trying something new, or I don't know, there's a campaign that you want to get off the ground, but you've never done it before. Um, plan for things to go wrong and have have a plan for that and whatever that might be or talk it through with someone or yeah I'm I always do that so if there's something new or any bit of work or anything important going on like I always get someone's input or someone's opinion on it so so yeah but what is the worst thing that's going to happen <laughs> what is the worst thing yeah yeah absolutely again my wife's a nurse, so I have conversations like this with her all the time. And she's like, oh, yeah, how was your Tuesday? And she was like, yeah, you know, she specifically works in, like, old people's medicine. So okay. most of her patients are, like, 80 plus. So I was like, yeah, two deaths today, you know, the usual Tuesday. And I'm like, two if two people died in my office. We're all, like, retired with PTSD for the rest of our lives. That's that's madness. And she was like, yeah, you know, normal Tuesday. Like, it re like you said, it's a whole different perspective right you need to think about the kind of like what's the worst thing that can happen not to quote dr pepper or anything but think think about that kind of yeah yeah sure you might lose a few clicks or the traffic might drop off but there's always there's always a way to recover there's always a way to balance it out and and also another side of that is it's not always striving for perfection mm, as well yeah, that's key I, I think that's a key thing like so many things don't get done rolled out started because it's not identically what I had in my mind or it's not like a hundred percent perfect because things can always be improved things can always be developed like as long as you've got the core sorted and it works and, and things like that um don't think things have to be a hundred a hundred percent perfect because especially with websites, because mm. that, that's an ongoing thing. You're always going to improve. You're always going to be seeing how you can um, make things better for users and for Google to crawl and all that jazz. So, Yeah, that kind of ties me in with two anecdotes. Thinking about, I remember a client I worked with a few years ago. It was like when I first moved to agency side and they were like, so when's the site going to get optimized then? And I'm like, excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a question I can answer because that's there is no answer to that question. You're right. There is never like one stop fix for everything. Like, right, we'll sort out the meta descriptions and the site is optimized and everything is perfect. There's always going to be something. And especially when you're talking like site migrations, which I touched on a lot with, with Catherine last week as well. Yes. Having preparations for that kind of stuff is great. But no, there is something that is going to go wrong and it's not necessarily going to be your fault. It's going to be something that there's always going to be a link that doesn't work from a site migration. There's always going to be a backlink you're going to lose that you can try and reclaim and stuff. There's always going to be something. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, you can always fix stuff. There's always going to be a solution. Yeah, exactly. And to tie it into, um, I was speaking to some writing friends of mine, like filmmakers and stuff like that. They always say a, a creative project is never finished. You just publish it when it's when it's due to be published. You never like you could sit around and and edit your manuscript or your your film or your podcast <laughs> and, <laughs> until your dying day and just have the perfect little tweaks and take out every little cough and um or every little spelling error, but just send it out into the world. Once you know, once you've got a version of it. Let other people see it. Let other people help with it. Whether that's, you know, you're doing a piece of keyword research. You could do keyword research for a website forever. You could come up with all the possible ideas. But focus on a smaller chunk of that. Like I said, hand it over to friends, colleagues, coworkers, whatever it is. And when when it's done, it's not truly done. But I guess learning to be comfortable with that is is something fairly important (laughs) exactly exactly and yeah like and errors are always gonna crop up aren't they we're human Mm. at the end of the day so it's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) so listeners i hope that's helped you kind of understand imposter syndrome a bit more and kind of yeah get to grips with it if you suffer from it yourself hopefully you understand it a bit more and if you don't hopefully you can now understand maybe you have some co-workers who you didn't realize were experiencing it so yeah hopefully a very positive experience for all the listeners out there thank you sarah for coming on and discussing that with me i think we've already got plans for another episode so i think we'll have you on in the future as well but where can the listeners find you across seo social media podcasts all that kind of stuff well i'm going to keep it fairly simple um and say so i am most um active on twitter so my twitter handle is at Sarah MCD UK. One of my friends did point out that that does spell out Sarah McDuck. So, yep. uh, you know. So I fun. assume you swim in piles of gold and money and stuff. Like All the time. Duck. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm doing after this podcast, actually. <laughs> uh, All that sweet um, SEO and podcasting money. Just. <laughs> exactly um and then yes if you wanted to check out the podcast that i do um then if you literally just search the seo mindset podcast we will come up um and you can also follow that on twitter as well that is seo mindset pod um but yeah we we share new episodes if you want to come on the the show to talk about something and obviously uh, i do work for captivate so go and if you have a podcast uh yeah you want to look into podcast hosting platforms do check us out um so so yeah like the best way of doing that is just go into captivate.fm and you'll find everything that you need on there Fantastic. Lizards, the links for that will be in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Nice and easy, all in one place for you to find links to all the tweets and all the websites there for you. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. That's all the time I have for this week. So thank you very much, Sarah, for joining me. I think it was a really interesting conversation about imposter syndrome, something we've not particularly touched on on the podcast before. So I thought it was interesting to get Sarah on and talk about that. Next week, we'll be talking mobile SEO with the one and only Cindy Crum. Those of you who know mobile SEO and know mobile Moxie, 
you will undoubtedly know who Cindy Crum is. I'm very excited to talk to her next week and it is going to be a fantastic interview. So please do subscribe for that when it comes out next Monday. Until then, have a lovely week and thank you very much for listening. Thank you.